You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, what happens in you when your expectations aren't met? Oh, well, I get mad, and then I look for someone to blame, and I'm just bent out of shape. Yeah, and we get grumpy, and we, we blame somebody else. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to see that happen to the nation of Israel today. Really? On More Than Ink. Well, good morning and welcome to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And I won't mention that we're at our dining room table. Okay, good. But we are, we have actually coffee in front of us and I like my coffee a little bit sweet, which is interesting because today we're coming into this passage oh. where the Israelites were facing bitter water. That was very and clever. it makes your, well, okay, it makes your head spin how fast they moved from this incredible celebration of crossing yeah, the Red Sea. because last week we were singing and celebrating right. God's right hand and all that great stuff. The minute stuff. they step away from the beach, the first place they come to is three days in the wilderness with no water. Wah, and, wah, wah. and they call it Mara. <laughs> Bitter, bitter, bitter. That's the name, the meaning of the name Mara. Yeah. So no, we're going to talk about grumbling. We're going to talk about bitterness. We're going to talk about the speed with which we move. It's it's just sad so because last week God. we were on the seashore, on the opposite side of the seashore, on the Red Sea. The yep. Egyptian army is dead. We have this great celebration in the desert. We got singing. We got dancing. We got tambourines. God is great. Everything's wonderful. What happened? Look how quickly they forgot what yeah. God had done. And and that just brings the question to mind. How quickly do we forget yeah. what God has promised us and what he has done for us? And, and Moses tells us how short a time. This is three, three days, days later. So three as we, days. As we pick up the story in uh, chapter 15, verse 22, we are three days after yep. that great celebration. And you will be amazed. They're probably still humming it, the song when yeah, they come probably, to this bitter spring. <laughs> well, okay. We painted a bleak picture okay, here. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> let's just get into it. I'll, I'll read for us. We're in... Uh, Verse 22 of chapter 15, three days after the great celebration. Well, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Mm. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. That's what it means in Hebrew. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. So they have this first encounter in the, in the de- three day walk into the desert and they have no water. And they've slurped up everything they were carrying. Exa- exactly. <laughs> all the, all the canteens are empty. All their water bottles are right. empty and now they need water and they do come to water, but when they taste it, they go, mm, can't drink can't this drink stuff. This. Can't yeah. drink this. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that three times in that single verse, they came there and the water of Mara was bitter. They couldn't drink it. And that's why it was named Mara. Bitter, yep. bitter, bitter. Bitter, bitter, bitter. And you might actually notice the fact that their hearts become a little bitter here, too. Well, yeah. You know, it's interesting that bitterness 
comes about when your expectations have not been met. Aha, that's a right? great insight. Yeah, That really is the root of bitterness. Yeah. I expected something and it didn't happen and I'm going to bite down on that bitter little nugget. And, and I'm just going to be bitter. Yeah. yeah, And you nurture it, don't <laughs> you? You do. Yeah, you nurture you it and you feed it and you say, you know, this isn't fair and I'm right and I deserve this. And, you know, it's not a matter of gross expectations. It's a matter of things are supposed to go my way and they're not going yeah. my way. It's very interesting to me when, when I looked, started looking at this word bitterness, that Moses in Deuteronomy, at the end of Deuteronomy, when he's talking to the people, he includes this idea of bitterness being an effect of turning away from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. When you turn away from the Lord, it is a bitter thing. It makes you bitter. And your bitterness causes you to continue turning away yeah, from the and Lord. It, isn't that how it really works? I mean, you sort of dig yeah. a, a hole deeper and deeper and deeper in your bitterness. Yeah. So that's in Deuteronomy yeah. 29, if you want to look that up. And Hebrews picks up actually that very same idea. Hebrews 12, 15 talks oh, yeah. about this root of bitterness, right? Some little hair fine tendril that you've been nurturing that suddenly yeah. springs into blossom. Yeah, you can and, nurture it. And you can water it. many. Yeah. Right? Bitterness yeah. spews on everybody. You can cultivate bitterness, is what he's saying from Hebrews. Yeah. You can cultivate, you can water it, you can fertilize it, you can, I mean, you can just dwell on it and say, Woe is me, woe is me, this is horrible. So, and bitterness needs a scapegoat, right? So, what Gotta do people do? Somebody. They blame yeah. Moses. Yep. Blame Moses. Verse 24, they grumble against Moses. And so Moses, as their leader, he cries out to God. He does what he should do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God, what what is this? You've brought us out here. We need water and we're at water that we can't drink. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's fascinating, too, that many times, you know, in our, our grumbling happens because we expect something to happen. And then when it looks like it's going to happen, like here, yeah. it looked like it was going to be switch. okay. <laughs> and then suddenly it's not what we expected. I mean, that's that's a perfect recipe for bitterness right. and for grumbling and all that kind of stuff. I, I think it's fascinating here, too, that they don't grumble against God. No. Uh, they probably know they, sh they probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Maybe. But they the do grumble against fresh. Moses. Yeah. yeah. I think what they do when they're grumbling against Moses instead of God, they're basically saying, are you really connected to God? I mean, you're leading us and Perhaps. we know that God's used you up to this point. But maybe you've lost your mojo or something. Maybe the connection with God's done. So we're going to grumble against you. I think you're, you're not listening to God well mm -hmm. enough. I think that's why they grumble against him and not God. Directly. Because remember this experience of being led by Moses into the wilderness. This is brand new. Oh yeah, right. They this is this is all new. They've never been in this situation. They're in before. the wilderness of sure, or like I like to say, the wilderness of unsure. Because <laughs> they, they just don't know where they're going. They don't know what's happening. I mean, they literally have to follow what God's saying because they they don't know. And Moses is his mouthpiece. So okay, they blame but him. Moses was not unfamiliar with this region because we yes. know that when he came out of Egypt the first time, when Pharaoh chased him out because he had murdered that guy, mm -hmm. he had strayed across yeah. this very region. And winds up over in Midian, yeah. right? We covered that in the early part of Exodus. Right, so, right, right. And he had pastured sheep down here in the Sinai Peninsula. So mm -hmm. he was, this is territory that was relatively familiar for Moses, yeah. but it was new for them. Yeah, yeah. The wilderness of sure. Wilderness, meaning right. <laughs> resources are few You're and out far in the middle between. Of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it made me think. It made me think too. There's a psalm that says, I think I looked it up. It was Psalm 78. How often they rebelled against Ugh. him in the wilderness. It yeah. Says that. So this is the first time. How <laughs> often they rebelled against him in the wilderness, or or another part in Hebrews. You can help me here. I think it's chapter three or four where it says they, they put God to the test. Yeah. In the wilderness, mm-hmm. and, and this is the first of many of those. So um, so here we have this problem. Hey, you know, it made me think too. This Mara thing, this this bitterness thing. Remember in the book of Ruth, Naomi at the beginning mm, of the book of Ruth. Yes, she says, "Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me, call me Mara, Mara which means bitter. Life has been bitter for yeah, me, and had, I am bitter. She had a really rough go there. Yeah, um, losing her husband and her sons and stuff like that. She's got her daughter-in-laws left, but I mean, still, she says, "Don't call me Naomi. Right, call me Mara." Because things are bad. Well, if you know the story of Ruth, and if you haven't read the story oh, of Ruth. Oh, it's only four chapters. You can oh, do it in a sitting. Go, go there when you get a chance. It'll just take you like 15, 20 minutes. Well, maybe I don't know longer than that. But it's just a, such a great story that starts from this downer where Naomi is just bummed. Because her expectations again was that she'd have a family right. and sons and daughters-in-law and, you know, kids and the and whole children, nine yards. children, grandchildren. Yeah, had yeah. these great expectations. And God had rescued her and her husband from from famine and now they've relocated and she's expecting things are going to be fine god has saved us but then all this happens her expectations were just dashed right and she says call me bitter because that's who i am and that's where the israelites are right here okay their expectations have been dashed but they come to this spring so what do you make of the fact that the lord shows moses a log or a tree (laughs) or a wood of some kind. Right, right. And he throws it into the water and the water becomes sweet is what the text says, but it means pleasant or drinkable, Drinkable. palatable. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have sugar in it. It's just not full of chemicals. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because if I was writing the story, I'd have God say, okay, I'll take you to a place that's right next door that we do have water. But instead he transforms he transforms the situation like he's transformed in the past. Instead of bait and switch necessarily, he basically brings him to a place which will provide good water, but we have to wait for God to transform yeah. the situation. Well, and the That's very key. thing that was bitter becomes a source of sweetness yeah. and pleasantness to them. I mean, that echoes a lot of uh, repetition in the scriptures where oh, he says, you know, I'll great. turn your mourning into dancing. Exactly. I yeah. will exchange your sorrow for joy. There's, I will exchange your ashes for garland. So that yeah. picture of yeah. God transforming the the unpalatable, inedible thing that's not going to provide for us, yeah. he will transform Because we, we find ourselves in bad circumstances. And, and the question many times it comes to our mind is why didn't God either detour me around this right. poor situation? I mean, why did, why did he allow me to get stuck in this situation? And in this particular case, the question arises, well, may, maybe it was deliberate. Not maybe, it was deliberate. It was deliberate. It was deliberate. And this is the first time that God will take a situation like this and say, I'm the guy that transforms these things. I'm not taking you into dead ends. I'm not a God of dead ends. So why did he just transform it? Why is there the log? <sighs> I don't know. Because it's interesting. <laughs> it you is know, interesting. I, the, some commentators see here a, a very veiled reference to the wood of the cross cross, through which God transforms. Now, that's, yes, maybe. Uh, We can't say for certain, but there is a hint here. Yeah. uh, Because why throw wood in the water? Well, and to to further that speculation, which I find find it interesting. It's very interesting. But the wood that they found was probably wood that was killed by the poisoned water. So it's, it's wood that might have died. 
because of the water itself. So here you've got wood that has died and now has brought life to dead water. Yeah, God says, throw this dead wood in yeah. the water yeah. and I'll transform it. You, you can go for days on this speculation. Oh, it's, there's so you just there's think more about here that. than meets the eye. Oh, I guess that's, my goodness. Yeah. In fact, I, I remember I remember a while ago reading a commentator say, you know, he says, well, I can tell you what happened here. The, the water was chemically transformed and it probably had magnesium in it and probably had it. And then the wood would do this to it and make it. And there it was herbs good. in the wood. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and he actually <laughs> came to the conclusion that that based on his chemistry of the whole thing, this is all speculation, by the right. way. But based on his chemistry analysis of what probably happened right here with the magnesium and all that kind of stuff is it made the water slightly laxative. And as a result, oh, stop. <clears throat> no, no, wait, this is interesting. It's speculative, but, but it made it slightly laxative. So basically, God was cleansing their system. So he got them out of Egypt, but this is how he got Egypt out of the people. Oh, well, that was going to take another generation. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. But I mean, this this is just fraught with lots of speculation. It's just a fascinating thing. Bring, bring them along and throw it in the water. But there's no commentary there's here. No commentary. Except yeah. that, you know, at the, at the end of verse 25, it says, there... In that day, there at that place, the Lord made for them a statute and a rule there, and there he tested tested them. them. He proved them. That word contains the idea of the way you assay a metal. Exactly. Right? He tested them to prove what was in them, not to himself, to prove it to them. See what you're made of. So verse 26, I love saying... If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I have put Mm. on the Egyptians for I am the Lord, your healer, Ah. right? I, I will heal you of your bitterness the same way I healed the ah, water, right? right? So he's giving them this very visual, very tasteful, tasty uh, point of reference God can transform. But there's something else I want to point so out here. And a then teaching I'll, moment. And then yeah. I'll shut up. Yeah, no, no, no. This is <laughs> good. Verse 26, two really important words occur here, Shema and mm-hmm. Shamar. Shema, mm-hmm. listen. Listen. Listen up. Listen with a heart that is ready to obey. Yeah. Listen up. And then he says, keep my statutes. That's Shamar. That's this word that means to guard, to regard as important, to treasure. And yes, it means to Watch obey. Over. But yeah. obey is kind of a secondary meaning. Watch over, keep them, guard them, regard them as central and important. So God says, here's the thing. Yeah. If you listen to me, and respond properly to my word, then you will discover that I am your healer. Exactly, yeah. Uh, That is just an amazing statement right here, standing at the bitter spring. Yeah, and I'll double underscore that, keep all my statutes. You know, the, the keep... We always go to obey. We do. Obey is a piece of this. And actually, most often it gets translated that way. Yeah, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the heart of the word really means to treasure something mm-hmm. so much. I mean, you embrace it so much, of course you're going to keep it. Of course you watch over right. it because it's treasure too. So, you know, as as further laws come down the pike when we get into, you know, further in the Exodus process and God says you need to do this, you not, not do that. Right. You know, the response really ought to be from a pure heart ought to be. Well, you know, God's in this for our best. So I, you know, what he has told us in the past has been for our health and our blessedness. Well, let's just embrace this too. We can't see the end of this, but God's, God's on our side. I mean, God's the Lord. He's our, he's our Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. 
So let's just realize that this is for our good, not our bad. And we often look at God's commandments and God's laws and say, well, you know, God's just a spoil sport. You know, he's keeping me. Right. He's keeping me from good because of these laws. <laughs> and in fact, what he's saying here is, no, these laws are for your health and for your good. So just embrace them because that's where they're coming from. And that's the teaching moment right here. Yeah, if you go with I am good. Yeah, I am good. So, uh, you know... <laughs> Do and I like how he says this. What you need to do is do that which is right in his eyes, right? Not, not your right in eyes. your own eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's a that's not just a side comment about the fact oh, that our own golly. eyesight is is usually self destructive. We don't really know what's good for us in many yeah, respects because our eyes are on us. Exactly. So we will make wrong choices. So if you want to find health and blessing, and you know, just give give some treasuring love to what God says. And that's what he's saying. Listen right up. Let yeah. the word of God penetrate yeah, you. Yeah, Shema, listen. Listen to what's going on. So sure enough, you know, he says that this is, he's testing them. He's he's changing them. He's purifying mm-hmm. them in this process. And I really like the fact that he says that I'm I'm the Lord, your healer. That's, that's Jehovah Rapha. That's one of the many mm-hmm. different compound words for who God is. I'm your healer. And in fact, when you get further on and we start talking about laws that God will establish for the newly newly formed um, country of Israel, you know, he gives them a lot of laws that which we now, from our scientific background, know are actually scientifically, medically wise, mm-hmm. which they wouldn't know about. Um, you know, like different food laws, different quarantine laws. You know, if someone's right. sick, you need to right. quarantine them. Uh, different uh, about you know washing your hands with running water as opposed to putrid water. Even you know some people speculate that circumcision itself was also a health issue, really. So, although it's a minor part of that, but I mean, the, but what God is going to tell them to do as a nation, listen to what I'm saying. It's good for and you, and this is good for you. And uh, we can look back and say, yeah, well, we affirm that it was good for them, but they had no clue at the time. They, the, the test is, will you embrace what I say, treasure what I say, follow what I say, because it is really for your good, not for your evil. And prior to this, uh, when they were in Egypt, they had no codified law. They yeah. had, they only, they knew the promises to Abraham, right? Yeah. And God had reiterated those promises to them back in Exodus six, but uh, they had no code of law. And so that's that's one of the primary things God gave them when he brought them out into the wilderness, yeah. separated them from Egypt. He gave them his law. He gave them manna, right, which becomes a huge picture. We're, we'll get into that in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then he gave them the tabernacle. He gave them oh, this yeah. visual place of, of reference for God is among us yeah. right in our midst. Yeah. And, through this sacrifice, we can be in his presence. Yeah. So, you know, here's kind of the beginning of that. If you listen to me and treasure what I tell you and act on it, yep. I will heal you. Yep. Just like God healed the water. That's why I call this whole section being afflicted with bitterness. Because mm. it's not just the water at Mar that's afflicted with bitterness, but their hearts are as well in terms of doubting God's right. goodness to them. And they've forgotten what he promised them. Three days ago. I will bring yeah. you out. I will deliver you. I will take you to the land where I promised you. This is in Exodus 6, yeah, right? Yeah. I will, I will, I will, I will do this for you. And they're like, well, we're out of here. What are we going to drink? We're going to die. <laughs> gonna Three die. days later, after coming <laughs> through the sea, what's with that? Boy, are we like that. Yeah, it just takes three days. 
And it doesn't matter how big and important the event was that we came from. I mean, you still forget it. This this made me think of just kind of an association, Psalm 103, that says, you know, we forget mm, none of yeah. his benefits, you know, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all, all your, diseases. your diseases. So this is what God's all about. God's in, the, God's in the business of healing your diseases. Okay. And the ultimate, the disease with which we are genuinely afflicted from birth is sin. Sin itself. We're yeah. not talking about God will heal your every cold and every broken leg right, and every right, now right. he does That's we do we get better and yeah. jesus did maintain this incredible ministry of healing but it was in order to point to the ultimate healing that every one of us requires and that right. is the healing from our sin the disease of sin yeah 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 well let's push on so um we get to verse 27 and uh, they came to elam Hey, they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. What? <laughs> Why didn't we just go there first? Well, it's because apparently it wasn't very far away. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but it does it does reinforce the fact that what we just saw happen at Mara was a deliberate teaching moment. Right. And God could have completely sidestepped the Mara event by taking them directly to Elam. So I wonder if, you know, this, this bitter spring at Mara, that was the first place they encountered the minute that their thermoses were empty. Oh, could be. And they were yeah, thirsty and they were afraid and suddenly they were bitter. When, had they just believed God and continued to walk, they would have walked right into Elim. Right? That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's speculation on my part. But you're yeah. right. God brought them to the bitter spring in order to speak to them it's before deliberate. he provides for them so this it, beautiful oasis. It, it's not a stretch to say that God will many times deliberately take us in troubled mm-hmm. places for the purposes of getting our ear and How many times have we something. said that now? I know. <laughs> but here it is again. Here it is again. Because right next door is Elam. And then, right. you know, it could have gone straight over there. So if God was in the business of just making us comfortable, he would have gone to Elam. Right. But since God wants to change us in the process, he takes him to Mara. Wow. <laughs> I hate to think of that because then I think, how many other deliberate things has God take me into that I would rather not experience or experience right, ever again? Right. But the outcome of it in terms of changing who I am and, and hearing God's voice happens there. Because you notice here at Elim, there's no great teaching that comes out of it. No. But and the, we don't even know how long they were there. Right. But there is teaching that comes out of Mara. Yes. And it, and it echoes all the way through the Bible. Yeah. So. Okay, well, let's push well, on. Oh, we got to. Yeah. So then, verse 1 of chapter 16, they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So they departed from Egypt on the 15th day on the of the 15th. first month. Yeah, so it's been a month. So it's only been a month. Yeah. Verse 2, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against (laughs) Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Wow. What the heck? Man, grumble, grumble, grumble. Grumbling, self-pity, and blame. Yeah, yeah. Right after we've just walked away from the palms in the oasis <laughs> that's right that's right we're back right there again and, and we're only a month out of Egypt this this will this will recur as they wander yeah uh, so they grumble against Moses and Aaron now you brought up an interesting question the other day about why is it they didn't eat their animals because they got flocks right remember they brought flocks with them yeah. out of Egypt and, and I've thought about that and my only good explanation is the fact that they they aren't actually going hungry yet but they're anticipating being hungry 
Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, so they're coming out of this wilderness area saying, we don't see any opportunity for food out here, so we're all going to die out here. I mean, they, they look forward, just like their canteens went empty in the right. previous section. Now they're realizing that their flocks could go empty pretty soon. So what are we doing out here? So I think it could be anticipation. Maybe. That's Jim's explanation, but I'm not sure. But they do have lots of flocks of animals. But they so. were accustomed to living where resources were easily come by. Yeah. In oh, a yeah. hugely developed, civilized place. Yeah. And now they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and they realize that there's a difference between the Nile Delta and the sands of the wilderness out here in the scene. So, but they don't grumble against the Lord. Right. They grumble against Moses. They blame Moses and Aaron. Yep. And they wallow in their self pity. Oh, would that we'd rather have died in Egypt when we had access <laughs> to stuff. And then they blame them. You brought us out here to kill us. Yeah. They, how fast have they forgotten that God has promised them you're not going to die out there? I'm taking you out there. I'm yeah. bringing you out. I brought you out here for a purpose. God's got a plan. And and isn't it interesting, too, that in that bitterness and that grumbling, we so exaggerate the situation. I mean, they don't really think that Moses and Aaron deliberately wanted to bring them out right. there to kill them. Do they? I mean, no. Well, but, and the other thing is, they're really not going to die. They've got flocks. Right. right. right? If right. they were hungry enough, they can sacrifice or kill a goat yeah. and have dinner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But they see the wilderness and they see death. Which is, you know, there's not many resources out there. And well, I, so I think, again, they're anticipating we're going to die out here because there's no resources out here. Because we're looking at our circumstances and our apparent resources. Exactly. Instead of, I am exactly. the God who heals you. Yep. Instead I of Instead God. of reaffirming the fact that God is with them and God is right. providing for them. So they look at the wilderness, they look at the circumstance, and they say, it'll kill us. But they don't understand that God's the one that gives life. So again, it comes down to the situation where you got to remind yourself when the circumstances look dire, that they're not as dire as it looks. There's more than meets the eye Mm -hmm. when your circumstances are taking a turn for the worse. When you're looking in the future and all you see is wilderness and you say, there's nothing out here, which is true, except that God's with you. And that changes everything. Well, and there was lots of stuff out there that they could not see from where they were. Right, right. Yeah. And and it, it seems to... It seems to me, too, that this grumbling has caused them to have a very selective memory. We've talked about this already. I mean, you brought us out here to kill us. Well, don't you realize that God's already saved you from the Egyptians? That's right. <laughs> so I don't think that's I don't if think God that's wanted the, to kill you, he could have done it. Yeah, I don't think that's month. in the game plan. So it's, it's interesting in our human nature, grumbling causes us to have selective memory yes. and causes us to exaggerate the nature of the situation, how bad it is. And, uh, and, and to look for somebody to blame. And look for somebody to blame. Yeah, that is just, that is human nature 101 right here as we're looking at so you know so the question is is what happens after this and we're not going to tell you you got to come back next week you got a week how does god respond to people who are grumbling because they say you brought us out here to kill us does god say okay you're out of here <laughs> what is, how does he respond what does he do in, in response to this and that's what we're going to go to next time we come together find out does god tolerate these people does he have patience with these people does he does he does he meet their needs? What does he do? What does God do? And again, since God is a teaching moment kind of God, what's he going to do to change their hearts? So we'll see that when we come back. So and we're glad you're with us, and uh, we hope you join us next week as we continue the story in the desert on More, More Than, Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. It makes you grumpy. It does. It makes you grumble. Yeah. <laughs>